Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. I'm especially excited to be bringing the word today. As I mentioned earlier, it has been something that I have been ruminating on and thinking about for quite some time, but I believe today is the day for us to talk about it. Some of you, you may remember in uh, fall of 2018, Handy and I, we co-preached a message that we titled, The Trauma-Informed Church. I believe you can dig through our podcast and still find it if you're interested, but today I would like to add another layer to that understanding. While we do respond with empathy and compassion towards others that are facing hardships and experiencing tragedy, what our response does not allow for is a victimization to have the final word. I want to be careful in setting this topic up for us this morning, because I know that many of you on the other side of this screen, you have experienced some very real pain. You have experienced some real hurt, some real loss some real hardships. And I don't want to minimize how real those were to you and for you. But in the same moment, when we experience difficulty, which right now our world is surrounded by, it is so easy for us to quickly sink into problems or terrible things to determine where we end up. We can so easily slump into the idea that situations and circumstances are our new reality. This is even who I am now. I deserve what happened to me. Or or maybe we even think that we brought it upon ourselves in some way. And I want to bring an end to this line of thinking. And I want us to see a God of the impossible who still redeems even our biggest messes, who can turn the worst day, literally the day his son died, into the greatest day, the day that his son would live forever. This is the hope I get from what we just celebrated and remembered. And so for me, what we have experienced, it it doesn't dictate, even define or determine our future. Let me say that again. What we have experienced, it doesn't dictate, define, or determine our future. We have choices to make and a great God to believe in who does what no man can. And that is to make us a victor instead of a victim. And that's the title that I want to talk about today. Are you a victim or a victor? You have heard me say it before, but our culture has given the loudest voice to the victim. You don't even have to be right. It doesn't even have to be true anymore. If you can just pose in the victim posture, you get the bullhorn. You get the loudest voice. You get the right to not only be heard, but to be in the right. Now, I saw this acknowledging that that we need to, I see that we need to acknowledge that we need to hear one another better, that we need to learn and grow from each other, and that we even need to allow those who have been oppressed to have a voice. Absolutely. That is not at all what I'm talking about today. What I am talking about is that when you start to play that record over and over of victimization to the point that accepting victory will actually mean loss to what you gain as a victim, then we've played the wrong hand for the wrong reason. Remaining a victim has never been God's plan for us. But what the enemy meant for evil, my God wants to turn around for good. Amen. And I'm saying that he wants to turn things around for you and for me. 
I'm saying that he doesn't want us to continue to wallow in these places of pain. He wants to heal and mend some deep hurts, not allowing those wounds to fester into infectious bitterness. God wants to make all things new. And sometimes we give into that. If that happens, then then what? I, I won't get to manipulate anymore. I won't be heard anymore. I won't have the victim platform anymore. I won't even know who I am without that victim crutch in my life anymore. And God wants to remove that from us today. He wants to set us free from this toxic cultural way of thinking and bring new life into some of these deep hurts. I want to tell you a story. When I was working with the middle and high school urban students at Kiko, we had this one girl who joined my program as a freshman in high school. I'll never forget her. Her very first week, she came up to me and shared her entire life story. You know those types of people. Well, she shared everything that had happened to her, and none of it was pretty. None of it would I even want my daughter to ever experience. Her mom had abandoned her as a young girl, but before she had abandoned her, she had let every boyfriend that her mom had have her way, have their way with this little girl. Unmentionable things happened to her. Horrific, wicked things happened. She was the victim of some monstrous experiences. And I hurt for her and I prayed with her multiple times. And I watched how she would continue to share her life story of these cruel experiences with every new leader that would join us. She would just spill her guts. And it was as if her past victimization was the name tag that she now wore. It had become her identity and who she thought she was. And without it, I'm not even sure if she would have known who she was. And, and I had to watch carefully how she would gravitate to our male leaders and even show inappropriate affection. She was starving for something that was real in her present and longed for better for her future, but she was stuck in this wicked, wicked past. And I'll never forget getting in her face this one Tuesday evening. We were outside Still during our hangout time, while everyone was playing games, talking and listening to music. And in my attempt to ask her about her week, hey, how you doing? She defaulted to this mode of being a victim of her past. And I spoke firmly, but lovingly to her. I told her that she was telling, that what she was telling me, it didn't change my opinion of her. I told her that her past didn't have to define her or determine her future. But she had the power to decide how much control it would have over her life. I didn't claim that it would be an easy process. But I did say that God wanted to write the ending to her story. And that he is the best author at taking a really crappy beginning and making it a bestseller. It took some time, but these things began to sink in for her. And over the next few years, I saw more smiles and less tears. I saw more laughter and heard less repeats about her past. She began to fight being the victim and letting Christ finish her story as a victor. And that is what God is wanting each one of us to decide and do, and to let God rewrite the story of what has happened, and that's called redemption. You see, Jesus, he's in one of his last conversations with his disciples, he says this in John 16, verse 33. 
He said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this imperfect world, Christ has told us that we would experience trouble. What he can give us is the ability to walk through these trials, these experiences, these hardships, that he can help us weather life storms, all with supernatural peace. Peace that comes from acting on the promises of God. Let me say that again. Peace comes from acting on the promises of God. We have peace to step out on the stormy waters of life and believe that his word is more solid a foundation than the reality of the raging seas of our circumstances. We can't forget the close relationship between prayer and peace is reflected in Paul's words to the Philippian church. Listen to this out of Philippians 4. You'll remember these verses, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in this process of prayer, what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but this is something that I need now. And we were all destined to have trouble in this world. That doesn't really sound like good news, does it? But I find it comforting to know that what things are happening in my life now are not only normal and that we will all go through hard things, but that Jesus hasn't left us to face it alone. He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promises that peace responds to. And Jesus tells us to take heart because he has overcome the world. You see, there is solid reason for joyful confidence right now. The world will do its worst to me, Jesus says. Yet I will come through victoriously. And the victory that I will win will be yours as well. That's what he is telling us. This is where we build on what we celebrated last week. The story that isn't fiction and, and neither does it just have an impact on the ending of the story for Christ. No, it changes the story for us all. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Reflecting on what happened last week as we were celebrating his resurrection, Paul says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since Christ's death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Christ has led the way to victory. He has led the way to victory for us. He has given us the victory. Resurrection power is at work in us who believe in the darkest of nights in this world that are filled with trouble will be shaken by the power that resurrects the dead through each of us. What do I mean by that? Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, I have overcome the world. And the verb here to overcome, it's used only here in John's gospel. And it's a military term denoting victory in warfare. He has forcefully overcome the powers of this world. His kingdom has come. His kingdom is coming. His kingdom will finally one day come in full. And guess what? When we give our voice to being a victim, 
we minimize the, the effects of what Christ has done for us. Let me say that again. When we give our voice to being a victim, we minimize the effects of what Christ has done for us. We minimize what he has done for us through the cross, and we continue to minimize what he has done for us through his resurrection. As a victim, we trade our victor's crown for a victim scar. We declare that our hurt is actually greater than his healing power. We speak through our actions that Christ's redemptive power isn't really far-reaching and can't right these wrongs. This couldn't be further from the truth, but our society and culture have caused us to pause and give more credence, a louder voice to our adverse experiences, where in the end, guess who wins? Only the adversary. And that won't be my story. I won't let it be. Will you let it be yours? Will you let the enemy keep you stuck in your misery? Will you declare with me today instead that enough is enough, that our God, he still reigns, and I will let him reign even over the darkest nights in my life, whether they were in my past or in my present or even in my future? Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Our faith in the risen Lord provides for us the victory that has overcome the world. We don't have to do anything to attain this victory on our own. Instead, we enact invisible measures using our faith in a greater reality that what this world has to offer isn't really what I'm living for. And we decide that we will put our faith in the reality that God's son, Jesus, is who he says he really is. That he is our peace. That he is our way. That he is our life. That he is our provider. That he is just. That he is holy. That he is faithful. That he is the way maker. That he is the way. That he makes the impossible possible. That he still forgives still heals, still sets free. I believe this is who he is. I put my faith in him. And so I want us to think from this vantage point of faith, a faith in the one who has overcome, that we are now able to not only move from victim to victor, but we can get off of the defensive line and into our offensive position against the enemy. You see, the adversary who seeks to devour us, he is on the offense. He is trying to lock us down in a defensive position. This was never intended to be your posture as a son and daughter of God. Listen to what Matthew 11 says. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, it has been subject to violence. And the violent people have been raiding it and taking it by force, another translation says. You see, there is a force within us that by the Spirit of God is actively seeking to establish an order, a kingdom that is not of this world. This kingdom has ways that are contrary to this world's ways. It is contrary in ways of thinking, in ways of reacting, in ways of loving. And the kingdom people, hopefully you and I, we're actively seeking to see God's ways made supreme, even in this fallen world full of trouble. We are seeking to establish peace where there is turmoil. 
while causing a spiritual turmoil that will be second only to the cross. We can plunder hell and see the dominion of Christ advance little by little as we seek to push back thoughts that are paralyzing us and keeping us bound, as well as pushing back those habits and behaviors that are only taking us back to a worldly way. Paul says this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Here we go with that language of warfare and a kingdom being established and starting right here in our thoughts. He says in verse 4, The weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, though, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension, every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This will be his footstool. This is where he will come and rest. And we don't fight like the world does. We don't use the same strategies. You see, this faith that we place in Christ is how we fight our battles. We fight by placing our hope in someone so much greater than ourselves. We destroy every argument and thought that would seek to elevate itself above Christ. And so we seek to actively make every thought obedient to Christ and His will. And I have to tell you something, in the midst of COVID-19, I've been reminded that we really, we're not in control. I am not in control of what is happening right now. And, and while this can seem so unsettling, if I'm trusting the government or health officials or the economy, it can be so reassuring though when I find myself at a place of full and complete dependence upon God. No one has control over what they thought they did. This is why models are always changing right now. This is why the ways that we're interpreting data right now is so varied. No one knows the outcomes of what we are facing right now. No one knows how long we will be meeting over a screen instead of face-to-face -face for church. And this makes me concerned when I'm trusting myself to figure it out or to have control over my future. But when I finally take comfort in right now that God has us in the place that he wanted us and completely depending on him, he has me with trusting him completely. He has all my faith and he wants yours as well. Peter says that we should be vigilant in our walk of faith. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse eight, he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's on the offense. But in verse nine, Peter says this, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There is a real enemy. And he is seeking to devour us. And, and if we aren't aware and we don't take our thoughts captive, resisting him by standing with unwavered faith in the one who's got us, in the one who's got this, then we will be most vulnerable to a destruction in our faith and a casualty to spiritual warfare. But from a posture of faith in Christ, from a place of rest and peace because I'm not in control, and thank the Lord, none of us are. And so right now, we are being reminded that our nation 
that the world is being reminded that you really aren't in control. So come to me, all you who are weary of trying to figure it out, Jesus says. Come to me, you who need rest, and I will give it to you. This is the good news. This is the gospel. He gives victory. We don't have to continue to play the victim anymore. We don't have to be heard only because of the lens of woe is me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because Jesus purchased victory for me, I will not discount the price he paid by wallowing in my misery any longer. I will stand in faith and I will declare he has the victory. Will you do that with me right now? Right where you are, will you begin to declare that God has victory over areas of your life that you thought maybe would always see defeat? Maybe it is over some broken relationships. Maybe it is over some financial choices or hardships that you are facing. Maybe you need to declare victory over an addiction that you thought you would always be entangled in. Maybe you need to declare victory where you have declared for far too long that you have been the victim. Let's do that right now. Would you pray with me? God, right now, I just speak over those that are watching and joining me as well as myself. We declare that you have the victory. We declare that you are the reason that we live and breathe and have our being. Without you, we are nothing. And right now, we declare that you have won the victory for us. We will not discount the price that you paid by finding our place and our identity in our hurt, in our pain. That ends today. And we thank you, God, for shaking us, for waking us, for not leaving us alone. And we declare that misery will be alone in my life. It will not have my company anymore. We will starve the ways of the flesh. And we ask you, God, help us. Help us to feed the ways of your spirit in our lives. We need your peace. My soul needs your rest. I need you, Lord, today like never before. Help me to fully trust you, that you've got this, that you've got me. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for your love for us. Amen and amen. Thank God for the victory he gives and brings into our lives. Amen. Would you stay on for just a few more minutes and chat with us on the side? Let us know how you're doing and how we can be praying for you. We love you guys, and we look forward to the day when we will be gathered again face to face. But until then, God bless you, and let's chat.